Welcome to Ecobolic Radio, a listening experience dedicated to making the world stronger, one conversation at a time. Because strength is never a weakness. Welcome to Ecobolic Radio. Today's episode, we're going to speak with physician's assistant and clinical director, Jessica Lara. Jessica works for FitMD, a hormone replacement center based in Denver, Colorado, that specializes in the use of bioidentical hormones for the replacement and the adjustment to the natural hormone profile of the client. We're also going to talk about the benefits and negatives of integrating bioidentical hormones and where we see the industry going in the future, as well as what's happening today. Hey, Derek, thank you for having me. Um, so I went to physician assistant school at the University of Colorado here in Denver. And um, initially when I came out, we're all basically general practitioners. And I happened to take two positions. One was in a family practice clinic and the other was in a clinic similar to what I'm doing now, which is focused on um, medical weight management and hormone replacement therapy. So I jumped right into both. Um, and then I've made a few career moves since then. And now I exclusively am doing the bioidentical hormone replacement, medical weight management, um, cosmetic injectable treatments, IV therapies, and that type of thing. So geared toward health and wellness preventive type medicine. So a lot of people, when they hear the term bioidentical hormones, for some, it's still a bit of a mystery. I know even for myself, when I started to research the topic of hormone replacement therapy, a lot of websites were using the term bioidentical to describe supplementation, non-medical, so something that you could get at a, a supplement store to try to elevate testosterone or elevate growth hormone. So could you give a little more of a, like a proper definition of what a bioidentical hormone is? Sure. Um, it's a great question because it comes up all the time. Um, and I even sometimes try to adjust the way that I answer my question to make sure that I'm really fully getting this across. So what happens is it gets a little confusing with um, the other words like natural or um, synthetic. And um, so bioidentical basically is referring to something that at the, the molecular level is identical to um, a hormone that's within your body or produced endogenously. So if you were to look at it, um, you know, under an awesome microscope, you could not tell the difference. That does not mean that bioidentical substances are not synthesized in a lab. It just means the end product is identical to um, the other endogenous hormone. So um, I think it's supposed to, actually, I want to tell this story because yeah, when I was do. doing family practice, um, I remember distinctly, I remember a lady coming in and we're going through her med list and she like rattled that off bioidentical hormones. And, and I just remember sort of brushing it off and being like, I have no clue what she's talking about <laughs> and just right. kept on moving. And now looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, this is what I do now. And it's, it's awesome. And I, I can't believe that I didn't even realize what she was referring to. So, um, it, it almost seems like something as you referred to like over the counter things like a natural herbal, um, regimen or some kind of compound that, might be able to act similarly in the body. But at the end of the day, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is referring to supplementing hormones, whether that's in a pill or a gel or an inject injection, um, that is just exactly what you're missing, exactly what you naturally make. So, so for an example, like as a male uh, client like I am, an example of a bioidentical testosterone would be a once-weekly injection of, say, testosterone sipenate or an enanthate, for example. Yeah, and that's a great example because um, the reason you're calling it testosterone sipionate is, or enanthate, whatever, um, those are ester groups that are attached to the testosterone molecule. So if you want to be really technical about it, the injectable form is um, not necessarily bioidentical until your body 
cleaves off that ester group. There's a few reasons why uh, companies will make hormones um, not bioidentical or you know attach it testosterone to an ester, ester group. And that's there's a couple of reasons, but the reason is usually functionality. So mm-hmm. in order to inject the testosterone, it needs to be suspended in an oil and liquid form. And so the ester group um, allows it to do that and also allows a slow release into the body. So with testosterone, any of the esters, your body, you inject that, it's a slow release and your body is just slowly hydrolyzing the ester groups off of it, mm-hmm. leaving a bioidentical testosterone. That's fantastic. And it brings up a good point because in the life extension or hormone replacement side of this type of medicine, what you're looking at is something that slowly elevates and then slowly declines to try to mimic the natural rise and fall of, say, a male's testosterone levels and, say, opposed to uh, – you know, people on the human performance side that are using it for purely uh, cosmetic reasons, this is more geared towards somebody to have a subtle but long-term improvement of health, correct? It's not geared towards, on the surface, human performance. Yes, uh, and no, if I want to argue sure. with myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, please do. Yes. Um, so... It's an unfortunate piece of this type of medicine, I guess. And I kind of tease that like, you know, my work is easy and fun. It's not necessarily easy, but, um, I see healthy people and I see people, you know, ranging from, uh, I would say early twenties to all the way up at the end of the lifespan. Um, but typically around seventies, um, I don't really have a lot of patients in their, uh, eighth decade, but, um, I see a wide variety of people. We have a location in Wheat Ridge where we're next to a, a bodybuilding gym. Yep. And so I've had patients a little nervous to even come in because they think that maybe that, you know, bodybuilding community or athletic performance type of thing is what we do. And most of our patients are just people who are healthy, completely healthy or they are just starting to notice um, things are changing and we can get into specifics whenever you want, but Mm -hmm. things are just sort of not what they were before. And these people just don't want to settle anymore for, you know, well, I'm aging and you know, these things are going to just be the way they are and just kind of settle. So these are people who are looking um, just to maintain their health. We're never trying to, you know, push things to the limit or, you know, Hey, more is better. Let's keep doing more. It's just, Hey, let's put you back where you were in your prime and keep you there. That makes perfect sense. It's more geared towards the optimization of life than the pursuit of physical prowess, for lack of a better word. And it is a yes. Go side ahead. effect. <laughs> yeah, it's a side effect, right? Like, and that's what people don't realize uh, initially. When you look at the introduction of, say, testosterone or bioidentical hormones into the body. A lot of the physical or external changes that can occur, um, which really are a byproduct of a reestablishment of youthful hormone levels, but it's like bigger muscles, increased training drive, um, improved sexual function. Those are all things that are really quite natural, but by default are almost a side effect of reestablishing optimal hormone levels. Um, from my perspective, um, maybe you can talk about that a little bit because a lot of people think that the moment they, they put uh, a needle into them or a gel or any form of exogenous hormone that's going to improve testosterone, that immediately they're going to start growing, growing new muscles. But that's just not the case. Like there's a huge range between, uh, using hormones to be normal and using hormones to be, uh, super comp compensating for what you already have, like an IFBB Mr. Olympia. So with a little more specifics, could you talk about like the low end ranges and what the negatives of having those low hormone levels actually mean from a health perspective, not, not a bodybuilding perspective, but like you got a guy that's walking around with sub 200 and you can explain this to people, sub 200 levels testosterone measured in their blood and how potentially shitty they may actually feel as a human being at 32 years of age. Yes. So the word you're using is, 
like kind of a buzzword, but it's really the word that I use every day all the time because it's exactly what I mean, the optimization. Um, the reference ranges that you'll see um, and people associate with their lab results and in medical school, you're, I mean, you're trained to look at the lab results, look to the right, do they fit in the reference range, then they're normal. So leave it alone, which is, you know, what we typically do, don't fix what's not broken. But if you recognize that those reference ranges are somewhat arbitrary, um, they vary by which lab you're looking at, and they're very wide. Um, <clears throat> it, I sort of describe this usually as um, getting grades on your tests. So if you're getting a D on an exam and passing barely, there's a difference between you and the person who got an A. But at the end of the day, you both passed, you're both normal, but one of you is, is going somewhere. So with um, testosterone as a good example, um, first of all, most people are familiar, if they are at all, with total testosterone levels. And there's an important distinction between a total and a free and a bioavailable level. There are all these different levels. How, right. how are you supposed to know which one matters? Um, and I'll get to that in a second, but a total testosterone typically is going to range at my lab that I use, it's 280 to 1100, mm -hmm. which is a huge, a huge range. Sure. So experience, I'm sure you could recognize that someone at 280 does not feel like the person at 1100, um, though they're both technically normal. And here's the other important thing to consider is, yeah, okay, so maybe you're at 500, you know, that's pretty middle of the road, pretty average, you know, it's okay. Um, but did you used to be at a thousand? Right, the, right. The, by 50% is a pretty big deal. So yeah, that guy's normal, but he's suffering and you should treat him. Obviously with a big history and exam and all the appropriate medical care, but absolutely. Um, just because it's normal doesn't mean it's optimal. And so, yeah. And I think you, you make a really good point. And there was a, there's a doctor from Ohio named Dr. Serrano who just uh, spoke with Ben Pakalski on his podcast. And, and he's very much been uh, in the HRT business for decades. Uh, maybe one of the first that I know of um, to really be well known for it. And, and he was making an interesting reference point. He said that in a perfect world, and, and it's hard to do now, but maybe the generation's coming along because it's not so stigmatized, but in a perfect world, you should have your blood work done at 18. And what he believes is that you should have a complete testosterone profile done when you're 18 years old. And assuming that you haven't had any, uh, issues up at that point. And even though the world's getting a little messed up, hopefully you haven't experimented with any bullshit in your teen years, but say you're a clean, healthy male at 18, you take those and you record them. And then you keep an eye on those as you grow older. And, uh, and he said in, in an ideal perfect world, all you want to do is try to stay as close to those 18 ranges as possible. And I thought it was quite a brilliant way to look at it because it proves your point. Like there are people and, and I've a number of friends that what you would refer to as drug free their whole life who have a natural testosterone of anywhere from nine to 1100 when they get it tested. Um, so the argument would be that if they hit 45 years of age and that drops to 410 and they start losing sex drive and they start getting fatter and they start having issues, that even though compared to another person, it may seem quite high, they are a perfect candidate for hormone replacement therapy. Beautiful. Exactly. I love it. I wish I agree. <laughs> yeah, I concur. <laughs> young guy, younger than, you know, I never would expect, no one would expect to be seeing, you know, 23 year old kids um, who, okay, some of them have, you know, uh, experimented right maybe there messed are up few, their system i've a seen a few though that like truly i would i would put a, my money down they had not experimented before and their free testosterone is in the single digits free tests being ideal somewhere between well the range goes from two to you know 27 ish so upper 20s and they're sitting in the single digits so wow awful awful like and that's really a difficult thing um from a male's perspective when you're supposed to be in a sense in the prime of your life and there's a good chance that they're not getting erections or they're they're you know not able to be 
sexually um, vigorous and they start to to turn in on themselves, like it, it, it goes from being a physiological problem to a psychological problem. And then that cycle starts to manifest itself until it gets solved. And and my question is, is, you know, from your perspective, because you're seeing these people in, in a clinic setting, what do you think is a potential factor that is causing these low free test and testosterone scores in younger and younger men? Because it seems to be increasing. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but, but something, <laughs> you know, something's definitely changed a bit, right? Um, what do you think is a potential cause for for low test in what we would think to be a young person? Well, I mean, I can speculate, uh, and I'm sure there are people who probably have, you know, even more ideas than I do, but aside, my, my top sort of culprits, I would say number one is some experimentation because mm -hmm. I was a little sheltered before, but I now recognize like how common it is and how easy it is to get steroids or, you know, anabolic agents, Right. just from wherever anywhere um, damn near anywhere cheap anywhere who knows what's in it and so i i do believe that that's going to contribute to some of the younger men that come in they've suppressed their function hopefully they don't do that enough you know that it doesn't rebound but we don't know um other things that i suspect are probably um aside from genetic things that we couldn't even probably get into would be just environmental agents so yep um things in the environment that are mimicking hormones. Some xenoestrogens. Um, xenoestrogens, just plastic type of, like all of the stuff we're exposed to, radiation. Yep. Um, or electronics and things like that. So, and I'm not an expert on those things, but I do know that they likely are having an impact. So um, my usual answer is I'm not sure. And I get that a lot, you know, yep. because anybody seeing their levels low, they're going, well, what, why is that? What did I do? What's, what, what did I do wrong? It's like nothing. And, and we don't necessarily know why it's like that. Again, you don't usually have a baseline for them. So maybe they were low, fairly low from birth. Probably not, but, you but know, it's you a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. And how much of a factor does an increase or a potential increase in things like cortisol seem to have? Do you find that even from like that initial patient interaction, do you see much of a lifestyle or a personality style? Maybe they got high blood pressure. Maybe they got a stressful job. Maybe, uh, maybe they're just a product of new technology and they can't shut off. Do you see that in a younger generation? What we used to think of is like the 45 year old Wall Street CEO that you know, work 70 hours a week and stop getting boners because basically his life was so stressful. Are you seeing those same type of characteristics showing up in younger generations? Well, are you, are you referring to eye boners? <laughs> yeah. The eye boners. Yeah. If they're not getting eye boners in the gym, when, when, when there's people that they should be I don't know the definition of that. I just had to slide it in there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got to slide a eye boner in wherever you can. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay. Sorry. Digress. Um, yeah. You know what I see? It would again be pretty, um, speculative, but I see, I really see people of all backgrounds, of all occupations, right. of all, every age. Um, I, I probably would agree that a lot of my younger patients are doing that. They're kind of, you know, obviously we're all attached to our electronics. Mm -hmm. Um, they're working 60, 80 hour weeks, trying to make ends meet. Um, there's a lot of their life that I don't get to be a, a part of and sure. I can only sort of ask about, but, um, that w there are certain things like that. You mentioned cortisol. Um, we actually don't do a ton of testing for cortisol. It's, it's a bit of a, a pain in the ass, right? Yeah. And there, you're also a lot of times my treatment plan doesn't change. So, yep. um, you know, they're usually asking, I think, because they know that, <laughs> that something is quite is off. Right. And so the, the treatment is the things that they probably already know. Sorry. Um, That's all right. You're you're in a doctor's office. It's to be expected. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the phone rings. Yep. Um, anyway, self-care. So, I'm. you know, I address, well, are you sleeping? Are you right. sleeping well? Are you waking rested? 
Um, are you turning off the electronic sleep? Just the basics of sleep hygiene, turning off electronics, yep. um, doing calmer things, darkening the lights, having your routine. Are you eating a, a well-balanced diet? Um, are you drinking plenty of water through the day? Are you going through your whole day just revved up, caffeine, throwing energy drinks back? Absolutely, you know, right? The falsification exactly. of success, right? It's um, it, it's one of those interesting things. And, and we also see it when we're dealing with athletes, um, which we'll get into in a minute because you also come from an athletic background. You and your husband both were, <laughs> yeah, were collegiate athletes um, and you guys were, were quite good at that part. But the one thing that a lot of people forget, for example, with same males, um, with females, it's, it's more of a conversation with males from male to male. It's pretty straightforward. If I'm training, uh, an athlete that hormonally you can tell is, uh, is a bit of a, uh, apex predator type, you know, he's, he's very, very, uh, high in the androgens for lack of a better word. And, <laughs> and, and you know that he's good to go and you, and your training volume which is stress gets really, really high with that athlete. If you have a good relationship with them and you're doing a conversation, you're like, you know, and it's a weird one to ask. So you got to have a good relationship, but ask them if they've lost morning wood. Doesn't matter how old they are. And what we find is training volume. If it's too high for too long, one of the first things that an athlete will start to notice if everything else has been the same is they won't get a morning erection anymore. And that is a good sign that their hormonal balance has taken a bit of a hit. Um, and then all of a sudden you can do a bit of a monitoring with that where as you integrate rest again, all of a sudden that part of the natural function of things comes back. And, and it's a weird thing to think about, but it, it just sort of puts into perspective how incredibly, how much of an incredible effect on the hormonal system cumulative stress has. Because when it literally starts to shut off your natural drive towards procreation, you know, the, the idea of, oh, she's not in the mood or he can't get a boner, that old ideology. When that stuff starts to show up and actually manifest, that's your body going, listen, we got bigger things to focus on right now. I don't know where the dragon or the lion is, but my stresses are telling me that we're in danger. And I think people are underestimating how much of an effect that's having on hormones as a general conversation or, you know, just out of, off the top of my head type of stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it, the, it's really, I think the stigma creates a, a big challenge to what you're addressing, which is like, you know, you're coaching, you're training, you see this, and then you want to add in the hormonal metabolic piece. And there's just this stigma around it. And, um, you know, these preconceived notions about what hormone replacement would mean, or am I on quote unquote steroids? And, right. Um, really it's just a piece of the puzzle, which is something else I say, you know, I mean, you got to sleep, you got to eat well, you got to train well, you got to have a good coach. You've got to have hormone balance and shower and brush your dang teeth. So, um, I, the stigma is a problem, but yes, it's like super important to not forget about that piece of it and also not be afraid to correct things that are wrong. We go take over the counter supplements without even thinking twice about what might be in that or right. what it might do to you. And you know, then you have some labs drawn and it's like, Hey, your levels are kind of crappy. And we get very nervous about adding something like that in. And so one of my goals is to help people just understand it a little better and whether they choose to do it or not, um, just help spread the correct information or, um, the most supported by the literature. So, isn't that sort of a funny irony where you can go to, you know, the global supplement shop down the street and you can buy a supplement from XYZ distributor that potentially is contaminated with not only toxic substances like heavy metals, et cetera, because of where they produced it, but it could also potentially be tainted with, uh, Viagra, um, testosterone metabolites from whatever that factory was making. And people don't even think about it. it it's, they, they don't give it a second guess. They just go in, they buy it, they throw their money down, they throw it back. But having your blood work monitored by a doctor 
to get your hormones not beyond acceptable ranges, but to get you hormonally back to what we would think of as homeostasis is considered a four-year suspension in sports. Yeah, I almost... Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a bit of a, a a moral foobar, right? And it's um, and and I get it. Like I understand from one side of the philosophical argument that if you allow somebody to take five percent, they're going to take a hundred percent. I get it. I I totally understand that. But from the other standpoint, as somebody that's been to some really rough parts of the world where they don't have the financial significance of say western culture does i'm telling you what we're we're at a massive advantage already just from taking protein supplements and being able to eat three pounds of red meat a week so so it, it the morality in the philosophy gets pretty convoluted especially when science gets involved right but oh yeah I this all the time like uh <laughs> Just even things, I, I don't want to, I guess, okay, I'll throw it out there. Like Nike, Nike yeah. athletes. Sure. What do they have access to? And w- so where are we drawing the line at, um, you know, performance enhancement? And, you know, my testosterone, I've measured it, obviously, on several occasions. It's always abnormally low. I'm pretty young, healthy, you know. So I'm looking back on my career, like, is it fair? You know, where where do you draw the line for that? I don't know. I don't think there's an answer. For, who's that couple where the... I think it's a runner and she, she drinks something like, um, what does she drink? Some type of a juice. And she's like, but her husband is a coach, I think. And he, he's like, I consider that cheating. (laughs) Right. Right. Because it's, it gets as complex as the human psyche allows. Right. So vegans are going to think that eating steak is, is sinful, but yet, you know, they're going to make the argument that, doing veganism as the way to go, even though that the amount of crop growth in the United States could be considered detrimental to the soil. Like you can get into these massive philosophical arguments about all of this. But at the end of the day, the thing that is most important is the fact that low natural hormone levels that are a byproduct of stress, environment, um, mistakes that you may have made as a youth buying supplements that were detrimental – Getting back to the point can be quite harmful to your long-term health, correct? Yes, I love it when a patient asks me, um, you know, what are the what are the side effects? What are the risks of doing this? That's a really great question, and thank goodness they're asking. Um, and I answer them, and then uh, you know, a lot of times I turn it around. And I say, but do you know also what are the risks of not correcting this? Right, and that's why I do what I do because it's much worse than, you know, shoot, I'm getting a little acne with my testosterone, which is not cool. Nobody likes that. But, um, having low bone density later and having an osteoporotic fracture, um, and potentially dying from that, um, is much worse. And, you know, is there more to that? Yes. So I have that conversation with people on an individual level, like, you know, as best we can, what is their risk and what is their situation and tailor it to them. But in general, we do know that, um, people die earlier, they develop more chronic diseases, um, and they just have lower quality of life through right. the lifespan when they're deficient. Right. So, so basically, you know, you're looking at a question where mortality is an issue when you are hormonally deficient. And I think a lot of people just hear the word testosterone or just hear the word HGH and immediately their only thought, because the media has been a powerful agenda maker in this, and I think by accident, just because it, it sells, but, you know, we've been told that, you know, steroids, this, like everything that is superbolic, right? So, um, yeah, the stock, you know, it's the stock market's going crazy today. It's the fucking Dow Jones on steroids, right? We, <laughs> yeah, you know, they- we hear this type of, of verbiage being used all the time, but you never hear the comment, well, that's Bill. Bill had heart disease and Syndrome X until he fixed his testosterone level with steroids. Now Bill is a hell of an active guy, right? Like no one's having that conversation, but that's really the <laughs> medical. having that conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly it. Because I'm gonna, I must be on the teeth. <laughs> 
<laughs> yep, and, and that's the game changer. Now, segueing just a little bit, you guys also do a little bit with peptides as well, correct? Yes. So in, in your experience, how long have you guys been integrating peptides into the clinic at FitMD? And, and sort of what is the, the rationale towards the movement to use peptides? So prior to being at this clinic, um, I was at a clinic where we actually prescribed growth hormone itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it, people have been and they feel or they say that growth hormone is illegal. Right. It's not. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there. First of all, for some reason, it's it's regulated. People, well, I know the reason. It's used, you know, for performance enhancement, and it's it's a great medication um, and a hormone. But uh, because of those reasons, it's it's hard to get your hands on. It's usually expensive. The people prescribing it are going to charge a lot of money and that type of thing. You can get it um, sort of black market. But who knows what's in that? And so anyway, we had a, several patients on growth hormone itself. Um, I think it's awesome. I believe that the pits um, are excellent in people who are good candidates for it. As far as you know, young and to grow linearly and grow like you're supposed to. As we age, it declines, and you start putting um, basically redistributing your fat mass and putting on visceral fat, which is uh, a big increased risk for cardiovascular disease because it's very right. inflammatory right? and your mood, energy levels, skin, all of the stuff you think of as like, okay, this is the panacea, I guess. Well, it's not, but it does have all those good results. So, um, I think growth hormone is great. Uh, and then I, I came to this new clinic actually, and this is where I got, um, more training on the peptides and they are not the hormone itself, but it's, we, we use a couple, um, they're basically chemicals or or proteins that mimic other proteins that you have naturally in your body. So mm-hmm. one thing that we make is growth hormone releasing hormone. And this one is called Samorolin, yep. which was initially used in children. Um, it did not do a good enough job of boosting their growth hormone in kids who were truly growth hormone deficient and had um, stature problems. Um, so they moved to growth hormone itself in kids, but Samorlin just basically goes in and signals the body says, Hey, release more growth hormone. Um, and that's kind of a silly, simplistic way to say it, but that's what it's doing is it's just mimicking something that's already there. And you're saying, Hey, these cells are being kind of lazy. They are not keeping out growth hormone like we want. And I want you to do that. So in a way people feel like that, is that safer maybe because you're just asking the body to kind of pick up the pace a little bit like right. let's get it stop being lazy instead of replacing um, it completely yeah so it doesn't sort of circumvent your your natural feedback mechanisms your body's not going to overproduce growth hormone and you know cause you issues so you don't have to worry that you're dosing yourself incorrectly right now as you introduce the the peptides into the system to try to stimulate growth hormone production I know that in age-related or anti-aging clinics, this has been a practice that's been going on for quite some time. A lot of people think that peptides are this sort of new kid on the block that they were just created. And most certainly, there are variations to the peptide strains or the different uh, amino acid complexes that are very technologically new. But, you know, uh, there's been Russian doctors working with biopeptide regulators for more than 40 years. So it's not exactly an untested science, but with peptides like semorelin or modified GFR, or some of these, you know, ipermorelin, how have you seen the impact so far with people that really adhere to the schedule? So um, you're exactly right as far as this not being new, and it's kind of like um, everything that we do here. So it feels like it's cutting edge. It feels like it's new and, you know, something that people haven't done before, or there's not a lot of important or background information on it. It's not new. Um, it's been around a while. And while sort of black market stuff or, um, sort of cheating in athletics, whatever you want to call that stuff, this stuff is being, there's stuff that's being used there that we just don't have yet. And we sort of, (laughs) benefit from people experimenting and 
and looking into things like that and then moving forward with it. So yeah, it's not new. Um, I'm happy that I'm fairly recently trained because whilst a lot of this is new to me and I feel like I'm literally sitting at the tip of the iceberg um, with information about all of this stuff even, there's just so much um, and individual things that you can do. I just feel like, um, yeah, I mean, it's got a, it's got a bad rap about being harmful. The next thing. Yeah, exactly. So, or dangerous, or new, dangerous. kind of taboo. It's like, no, it's these, you know, the guy I trained under has been doing it 30 years. So 30 years, um, like that puts it into yeah. perspective. All these internet or sorry, all the internet gurus and, and Johnny come lately's it's like, listen, you miss the boat. Samarellan and some of the other peptide cultures have been used for 30 years, right? We don't even have medications on the market right now that existed 30 years ago. I actually, ooh, so I was referring to Hormone replacement, I just want to clarify. That's okay actually, because peptides are still over 40 years old too, so yeah. you're good. And the guy the guy I trained under, he uses growth. He's like, growth hormone, give it to them. <laughs> they need it, give it to them. Mm -hmm. I don't care like if you guys think it's illegal. It's just off-label prescribing. If the person hasn't had you know, the stimulation test to take them to the brink of death right. and prove that they're growth hormone deficient, then you're just prescribing off-label. So, well, yeah. And um, it's a good point. Like, Arimidex is off-label for wound healing, but no one ever talks about that. Yeah. It's also, it's not illegal. It's not yep. a big deal. They Like, testosterone in women, um, you know, I don't believe even still there's a testosterone FDA approved for females. Which and is crazy because you guys suffer from low test as well, and it's quite a serious condition. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like a whole other story. Yes. Women, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a uterus? Yeah. No. You don't need progesterone. Well, I have progesterone receptors everywhere else in my body, including my breasts, so I like to protect them. How right. about my brain? I like to protect it. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. And testosterone, too. Yeah, I've got that. And we all kind of joke about... I think, you know, the discrepancy between men and women and libido and um, it doesn't have to be so discrepant, I would say. <laughs> well, a perfect example of that is this idea from male bodybuilders and, and weight room uh, doctors is that they believe that you have to eradicate estrogen. Right? Like, no. you, right, exactly. I knew you were going to get excited because they're like, you got to lower estrogen, lower estrogen, lower estrogen. And it's like, no fucking goal, I guess. Well, if you lower estrogen too much, you're going to fucking Care about die. Your bone density, heart. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have a heart attack, right? You know, it's like, hey, congratulations, you eradicated estrogen. Now you have increased chance of heart attack and heart disease by how many fold we can't even determine, right? But we think you're super leaner because of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you haven't had a boner since May. Right. So <laughs> yeah. it, it, people forget like the, the body is a, is a holistic balance. It's not, it's not one hormone or another. It, it's about putting them into those optimal ranges for you as an individual. Yes. And the personalized, um, you know, the ability to look at your labs and that type of thing is such a cool advantage. And I'm sure we'll get more and more advanced, but I, I would recommend taking advantage of it because again, with the weight room gurus and stuff, not to um, be too negative toward that or anything. It's just that, you know, I hear people come in all the time. I'm doing one CC of this or one CC of that. And I'm like, okay, do you just, where's that taking you? Right. And so people get really dose of something when they don't even know where does that dose take your body? body. Where, yeah. where is that in your body? Do yeah. you need, much do you need more you have no idea yeah that's exactly it because a part of the conversation that they don't have is what you know is sometimes you can get it as simple as a monetary conversation it's like are you spending too much money on your success because that's what people don't often think about in the black market side of it they're like oh, i'm just going to take more and more and more and, and they're living with seven people in an apartment and they got one gym membership and all they care about is trying to be the next mr olympia and you're like, well, you know that $4,000 you spend a month right now could actually be dropped back to about 280 if you go to a clinic because that's really all you need to get your levels to grow on, right? Like 
there's there's a side of the the conversation that people just don't even think about it's just you know more is better but is it wasteful you know are they just causing jeopardy at the expense of a bank account you know yep i get i get people in who have decided that where they finally recognize that um you know the value of having someone monitor you and having the treatment tailored to your specific needs um and just all of that stuff adds up um, to a much better value than, yeah, you can go get some tests on the street for like 30 bucks or something. Like. Yeah, some some heavy metal laded bathtub test that some guy <laughs> made who knows where. Peace right. of mind and potentially other pieces of your body. I don't know. Yeah, man. Um, it's the part that people don't talk about. Well, just to segue a little bit um, before I let you go today. A lot of people will not know this until we talk about it is both you and your husband were collegiate athletes in track and field. Um, but along with being the director of a hormone replacement clinic or what two clinics for sure. I don't know. Do you have a third location as well? Not yet. Coming so yeah, coming up. So you got two locations <laughs> that you're a program director of. You also have three children. Yes, little wild things. Little wild things. So you and your husband live the lifestyle, and that's what a lot of people should tune in and check out. Uh, hopefully, they'll follow you on Instagram after this. But you keep an incredibly rigorous schedule as a full-time working mom, director of clinics, uh, highly educated. You went to school for quite some time, and you have three children, and the oldest is how old? He just turned six. And your youngest and my, is about 11 months, right? Yep. His birthday's in a couple of days, five days. Five days, right? So you have three children under the age of six. And Instagram's been good because you've you've documented the whole process of having children and getting back into shape and being extremely fit yourself. Just as a bit of a closeout, to put a little bit of a, a humanistic side to this, how hard is it as a working mom – to be able to be as fit and as lean as you are with three children, with a full-time career, and all the other variables that people use as roadblocks to success? Um, that's a great question, and there's a lot to it, um, but I guess I will simplify. Um, so prioritization is first. So obviously um, I – wanted to get my career in place and I went to college and went straight to PA school. And, um, Nick at the time was coaching in Connecticut with Wallen. And then we started having kids and I didn't, we didn't plan that of course. And so I had two of my kids while I was in training mm -hmm. and at PA one school. obviously. Yes. Yep. And that took obviously some teamwork. So, um, you know, our, our moms were instrumental in having enough help that I could go to rotations every day um, and go to school every day and leave the baby at home and pump. I literally pumped while I was in class. So right. <laughs> um, I just it's my personality just to make things like that work. Um, and so career family was sort of just it putting itself in place. And now, um, you know, I found this area of medicine that I feel really fits me well because I just believe in prevention and taking care of yourself and enjoying the quality of life. We only have one. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm, now that I have kids, I get super emo about that actually. Right. So it gets me, you know, gets my heart beating a little bit because, um, we all set aside our health and just enjoyment to pursue, you know, money or, you know, pay the bills, which it's all, it's important. But at the end of the day, what matters is how you feel and how you spent the time with your family that day and that type of thing. So what I make the time for is work and um, training because I feel like when I feel better, when I look better, when my kids see me training, that's just all important to me. I think that gives right. me the satisfaction that I want. Um, and then other things I try to fit in. There's not time for everything. There's really not. I'm right. behind on charting. I'll never probably catch up. <laughs> I want to go skiing. Some I may ski once a year. Right. Um, 
you just find ways to fit in the things that you want to fit in. And to me, my whole life makes sense. I want to help other people figure out what their best self is and how to be the healthiest version of themselves they can so that they can live a, a quality life. Right. And so, the, so they have a vessel to, to use today, not for some arbitrary future goal, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. you want to be the best and most sturdy ship today. And, and this is really important, like a lot of people that are listening. So this is something that I, I'm really, really uh, not even fascinated. I, I'd even use the word proud from a, an external perspective is Jess and Nick, when they post a lot of stuff on Instagram and Nick, her husband writes a lot of her workouts, um, but they have a gym set up in their basement. And this is something that I really, really try to get people to understand um, is if you have, and, and I don't have children, so this is just as a perspective, but if you have a busy family life and if you have children, uh, thinking back to my own childhood or my, or my brother with his nephew, you make the things that are important a part of the family. And the thing that I find extremely fascinating and I really enjoy watching on Jess's Instagram is her workouts in her basement, her husband's in the background, Keeping an eye on the kid, right? Keeping an eye on the kids, but your kids are playing. Your kids are playing the whole time you're working out. Because to them, that's become what I can only assume is family time. And yeah, that's that's normal. It's not something we leave as optional. Exactly. And they don't know the difference. So they know that mom and dad go into the basement and work out and they play and hang off the bars and do cartwheels and jump around and and you get your workout in in what's already a completely time compressed existence. And although it's not perfect, it is a fundamental lesson to those that are making excuses, right? Because what mm -hmm. becomes normal is that which you just put into place and you put into place uh, an existence and your kids are going to grow up to think having really active mom and dad and a really active day-to-day -day physical life is normal. And that's the way it should be. It's probably the most important lesson that some of us could learn, I think. I appreciate that because I kind of giggle when I post those. I'm like, well, this is certainly not a, <laughs> not like all the exercise videos you will see, but I do. I like to show that. I like to show that my kids are being kids and we try to incorporate, oh, we're not perfect. I don't of course get to work not. out all of the course time. Not. I used to work out at five or five thirty, you know, at, at Anschutz and then go to work and then come home. And now my routine's different because Titus doesn't want to sleep. And right. so we're just make do, but that's what I, I want my kids to see that, that like exactly like you described, if it's important, you make it a part of what you do every day. And right. then, you know, maybe your house is messy and that's fine because we don't. Who has time to have company? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, right? So you got a couple socks on the ground, but you and your husband are still madly attracted to each other because you're both still physical entities in this world. Like there's that's yeah. so much psychology to it that people just don't think about, right? And and we are creatures of motion, so. A lot, you know, and it ties the hormone replacement back into this is when you take away one massive aspect of human nature and make us a bunch of sedentary, overfed, understimulated, and underconditioned animals, a lot of things start to fall apart. Yes. And for people like you, super high level athletes and Nick, like, Super I mean, high level. level. Like people don't realize your husband was super high level. And you guys are not, again, it's it's the same for everyone, but for you guys, it's even worse. It's just, I mean, you just can't cut that out of your life. You're just different animals. So like I, I'm not even, I'm not including myself because I'm not on you guys level, but you live, level. but you live with it. Right. And you see, <laughs> you see the actual real time reality of what it looks like when you put a lion in a zoo. <laughs> right perfect perfect it, it's bizarre <laughs> all right so with that i'm gonna close up shop on you here today um i'm just gonna let you close out is 
Is there anything that you want to share? Uh, you know, places that people can come and find you, um, locations of the clinics in Colorado uh, for people that are looking for help in the hormone replacement, men and women, which I really need to emphasize. It's not a single sex uh, problem. Uh, so go ahead and just let the listeners know what's up. So, um, first you mentioned my Instagram, which is at, I am Mrs. Mini tank. Um, and that is my primary social media. Yep. So at, I am Mrs. Mini tank. And then my email, if anybody has questions about hormone therapy, um, or does want to get in or just wants to message you, I'm super happy to answer emails. It's Jessica J E S S I C A at fitmdusa.com and that's fitmdusa.com so um our clinics we've got two right now and i'm there kind of part-time at both so monday tuesdays i'm at our westminster clinic of 120th and federal and um on wednesday thursdays i am here down in wheat ridge which is where i'm at today and um that is off i-70 in kipling just like adjacent to or within the armbrust pro gym building. So those are where you'll find me most of the time, um, working rest of the time, but I, and I live in this area. And so I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone about any of the topics we discussed or any of the things that I mentioned, but we didn't go into detail about, cause I could talk to Derek like for all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what can I say? So, I, I'm a, I'm a chronic storyteller. <laughs> I, Derek's always got a good story for you. So, um, anyway, anything you have questions about, I'm, I'm super happy to discuss it. It's, it's what I do. It's my passion and I love to help in any way that, that I can. And I love to say hi on Instagram. So I'll see you there. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Jess, thanks for being on the show. It's, uh, means a lot to me for you taking your time and, uh, hopefully we'll get the good news out to as many people as possible. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, pretty honored <laughs> to be in this group of people. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ecobolic Radio. For more information about upcoming guests and episodes, please follow Derek Woodsky on his Instagram or at DerekWoodsky.com. 